Welcome to episode 270 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news, and spooky news. Spooky news. That's right, baby. Like it's not news. No, it's not news. No, it's old. We have spooky news to share? I don't have spooky news to share, no. Nick's, no. Nick's house is haunted. Ah! <laughs> wow, this is a real, like, a hidden camera situation where you're telling me that now <laughs> while I'm in my own house. Uh, we're talking spooky because this is Halloween Now 6, and you can't do Halloween Now 6 without uh, the Queen of Halloween stopping by. Sally Jacoby Murphy, director of the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library, welcome to the All the Book Show. Thank you. I am glad to be here. Really? Because that was very low watt, the way you said that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm torn it's... because I was trying to think of some spooky news to share. Oh. Because I feel like if anybody had it, the Queen of Halloween should probably bring it the spooky news. It should come from you, yeah. I felt like the low energy kind of emphasized the spookiness. Like, oh, we're true. a little on edge, but this is just the mundane to sound. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Like, oh, I think there's a poltergeist in my house. She's like, oh, you have one, yeah, too. Yeah, kind of a Morticia <laughs> Adams vibe going on. Yeah, which, yeah. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. I'm Nick Gunning. I don't know if we clarified that, but that's who I am. Eric Mickle. Okay. <laughs> I've got to point out, I mean, normally we're together when we do this Halloween Now thing. For the first, what, three, I guess, we were just in my office at the library. Halloween Now 4, Sally was like in town visiting, and we recorded that one at your house, Eric. Do you remember that? And then Halloween Now 5, you and I were together, Sally was on Skype. And what's funny is that Sally in that episode, Halloween Now 5, makes a big deal about how much uh, Halloween in North Carolina sucks. And uh, mm. Sally's like, you know, you need the leaves changing. You need you need a nice cool breeze. And Eric was like, hold on a minute. That sounds all right to me. I like the idea of a North Carolina <laughs> Halloween. And here we yeah. are, one year later, Sally and I chilling in western New York. Eric having that North Carolina Halloween that he dreamed of. So I guess somehow that, that yes, magic came through. when I dreamed true. of a nice warm Halloween, I was thinking, but also throw in a pandemic so I can't do anything during You went Halloween. a step too far. We agree that yeah, you went a step that was too it. far. Yeah. yeah, I took Sally's advice and I just ran. Yeah, I ran with it. You did, you did, and you you. But it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad <laughs> the, that you the can pandemic. That. Yeah, I was just like, but what if? Wouldn't it be scary if there was a pandemic? They're like, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, so, it's, it's my it's, fault. I'm I mean, sorry. I'm terrified most of the time, so it, it did work. Uh, let's yeah. let's get into some bookmarks, shall we? Sally, as our guest, would you like to share with us what you've been reading lately? Our Anything fun or exciting? Ooh. Oh, is that where it comes from? Just no. having a guest over? I don't think oh, so. Okay, <laughs> no. My bookmarks. So I actually was telling Nick that I planned this on... So this week I had three book clubs yes. culminate in one week. Rookie mistake. So on Monday... Yeah. <laughs> it really was. But it was good. We read some good stuff. Okay. So Monday uh, we finished up Eleanor Oliphant. Oliphant? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely fine. That's really been popular this past year. It was on the bestseller list, I think, at the end of last year. Okay. I don't think it's on there anymore. But yeah. Finally, our book club was able to get our hands on enough copies. Yeah, so I know the, it's been a struggle. for a long time. Yep. So that was it's pretty good. I thought at the beginning, didn't love her character, started slow, but then really got moving. And the ending is worth the read. So I'd, okay. I'd recommend it. All right. Um, and then <laughs> two days ago, we um, I did a book club with the Corning Community College, and we read Rising Out of Hatred by Eli Saslow which is also a really great read. That's nonfiction. It's about him working with a prominent white supremacist who ended up leaving various white supremacy groups okay. and becoming an advocate for social justice. Wow. So five stars. And then obviously I've been reading Christine, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Oh, definitely. And my father bought me this book about a year ago, and I'm finally getting around to it. It is called Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Whoa. Gender modern horror film so it's wow. a series of essays on how gender plays out in horror movies and this is great huh if you are nerdy and into horror films or you're into like feminist theory or anything like that this is the book for you so wow. i'm only a few chapters in but so far five stars that's a popular topic with like nonfiction. like that was some there was something like that in the edgar awards just always deconstructing the the role of uh of women or uh minorities it seems like with horror films since it seems to be the genre that really emphasizes both those roles 
Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that's why I fell in love with horror when I was a kid, is mm-hmm. because it's one of the only genres that consistently had a woman as the protagonist. In mm, it. Yeah. And so when I was looking for, like, heroes, I found yeah. them in horror or sci-fi stuff. Woman who's with... the protagonist and, like, her own agenda. Yeah, but I Wasn't think there something the... called, like, The Final Girls? Or is that, am I thinking of, like, just a movie that's called Final Girl? There is a movie called Final Girls, but it is based off of the theory. There's, like, wow. a lot written on, like, why the last person in a horror mm-hmm. movie is usually a girl. But there was a movie that came out maybe, like, five years ago. A pretty decent movie, honestly called the final girls so yeah so that's what i'm reading <laughs> well it sounds like an eclectic batch eric what about you oh, hunt man. now uh i i also have to hold you to what you said in halloween now five and that's that you this year we're planning christine and cujo did you did you live up to that oh no because i guess i forgot i said that okay all right <laughs> understood also um christine was way longer than i thought it would be. oh my gosh i yes. thought uh i thought a book about a haunted car would be quicker um <laughs> but it wasn't no so maybe cujo will be next year yeah okay um, i can read cujo yeah what have i been reading so i've been reading just imagine by stan lee uh okay. back in like 2001 DC Comics got Stan Lee to come over and basically reimagined their heroes as if he was writing them. Yeah. Uh, like the whole conceit was like, what if Stan Lee had created Batman? But like, that's not anything you could no. recreate, period. So this is just him taking the concepts and just doing his own thing and reimagining them. I'm not done with it, but there are definitely more, like, it varies from yeah. how much I like a version than the other. So I've read, like, his Batman, Superman, Lantern, and Wonder Woman, and there's a couple more in the collection I have, which is exciting because I've been wanting to read these forever, and I guess they just recently put out the trades. Or oh, did they? Okay. I just recently found the trades. That's cool. So the art is different. Uh, by per- Like, Jim Lee does the Wonder Woman one, and Dave Gibbons is the Green Lantern one. So it's fun in a retro kind of way because <laughs> it's basically reading... Uh, like origin stories of these characters that Stanley's doing, but he still has a lot of that like 60s mentality. So like when Batman is like, how will I make a fortune? I'll become a wrestler named Batman. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm back in the Silver Age where you yeah, can just do whatever you go. want. Yep. Um, and I'm, I finished Christine, so we'll talk about that. But I also started Head Full of Ghosts. <gasps> Eric, that's the one that freaked me out. I donated my Paul copy Trembley. to the library because it was too scary for me. How many pages did you get in? I don't even remember. It's it's been it was when it was, was the brand daughter new. like Yeah, was the daughter like absorbed being into the wall? Yes. Yes. Okay, well uh I'm past that. Okay. All right. <laughs> well if it's a competition you won, sir, because so, Okay, was that where you're like, Nope, nope, because then it's like the posters were her web and she was like her it was hands just yeah. into the wall like was absorbing her. The whole vibe of it was just kinda like so it just made my skin yeah. crawl. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe I can well, handle it now. Uh, yeah. Maybe all these years. Might I suggest reading it, reading it in the bathtub with lavender bubble bath? Because huh. that's what I'm doing, okay. and it's much calmer than you would think. Yeah, yeah. So just just a nice warm it's bath. A good note. It's, it's hard to feel uh, endangered in that situation. But I guess also I'm just being set up. Yeah. Like now I'm going to hear a noise in the room, like hello. Yeah, you're going to be Who's so relaxed. Probably. I'm in the bath. Yeah. Like the lavender is good, but there are a lot of bad things that happen in bad. I actually was kind of thinking that. Yeah. I mean, I just finished yeah. uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, and we could talk about yeah. water oh, trauma nice. as well. So yeah, all right. Um, I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm. from 1978. Oh yeah, with Donald Sutherland and uh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Nimoy. The, yeah. One of the actresses was an alien. Okay. Uh, I was worried because I had to leave for the night to pet sit and. Uh, I was worried Kendra would find it too scary to stay home alone, but she was fine. She didn't think it was that scary. It's more like creepy imagery than yeah. like creepy in general. A lot of times it's just like up until the very end, they're like, maybe we should go to the police. It's like, you can't go to the police. Right. I know. They're like, I know the airport. It's like how it's, it's crazy, but it's still like a very entertaining movie. It is. Yeah. Of course, so. it's based on Jack Finney's novel, The Body Snatchers. Yeah. And it was yeah, uh, the guy from the '50s movie. Yes, for that brief. Second. I was just gonna They're say. Here. Yeah, it's Kevin Kevin McCarthy from the '50s version, which I love that '50s version. Yeah. 
And it's um, nice because he's coming in and he's screaming, they're here, they're here. And then the 50s version, they, like, did that whole, like, oh, we'll stop them. Look yeah. to the skies, blah, blah, blah. And, like, this one is like, no, the real ending is him just screaming in the streets forever. Yeah. And that that speech at the end of that is, like, verbatim with what he yeah. says in this new movie. Like, they pretty much just took that thing. Yeah. One of my, every time we talk about this, I, I think it's funny. But in the book where there's, there's a big uh, Miles and Carol at the end, you know, they're getting ready for a big confrontation. And she makes it, he makes a big point of being like, I can't take on all these people people alone and she's like what what do you think i'm just gonna stand in this corner and scream like let's fight these guys mm-hmm. and it's such a cool moment in the book but in the 1950s movie she just stands in the corner and, and screams while he fights them out which you know it yeah. always cracks me up the yeah. book was kind of ahead yeah. of the, the curve 50s there person shows you that in the 50s you couldn't have women or communism win <laughs> no no all right uh, did i watch anything else spooky uh, i guess we watched underworld evolution which is the second underworld movie are those spooky so. No, no, nor are they very good. Okay. But uh, Kendra watched all the Resident Evil movies with me a while ago, so I owe her all the Underworld That's movies. That's a fair and trade. she just hasn't seen the last two that came out. So we learned a lot about Kate Beckinsale and Martin Sheen. Not Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen? Who's the Mike, the British actor? Not Martin Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen. That makes Michael sense. Michael Sheen and uh, the director who did those first two Underworld movies about their all their relationships. It's rough stuff for some people. Hey, speaking of Martin Sheen, I watched that West, West Wing special on Me HBO Max. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. so good. Were, were either of you fans of West Wing during its time? Yeah. 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 Oh. So this is cool because they do a season two episode, Hartsfield Landing, as just a straight stage play. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. it, so it's not like, it's not like a new episode or something. It's just the original cast doing a stage version of, of that episode. It was very effective was very effective yeah. and the chilling juxtaposition with our current situation was upsetting um let's <laughs> see what did i is that How it for so? you Eric? is that what is that all you read yeah i that's just been for comics and then i mean like i said christine took a while yeah and definitely. i only really just started making way through head full of ghosts like this morning or yesterday so okay spooky well if I've you been wanna... watching a lot of cougar town oh yes of course cougar town's been taking up a lot of my i'm on season five okay you're, you're really working through there nice yeah. Um, I also read something that's reimagining DC Comics characters, if we want to stick with graphic novels for a minute. I read a new YA graphic called The Lost Carnival, a Dick Grayson graphic novel. So this actually was kind of felt like a Halloween read, too, because it's it's split yeah. half and half between the Haley Circus, where Dick Grayson and his family are performers, and this Lost Carnival. And the Lost Carnival just gets like spookier and more ethereal as things go by. I think it's a really effective YA graphic novel. It is a very ineffective Dick Grayson DC comic story. Like mm-hmm. all you got to do is change the names and you got, you got your standalone YA graphic novel about a spooky carnival. So um, mm-hmm. I read angels flight by Michael Connolly. This is in the Harry Bosch series. I started this forever ago and then book club books kept like taking precedence. So um, <gasps> I finally got back to it and finished it. The plot I think, I think was interesting and actually it, it d- dealt a lot with racial injustice and like corrupt police. So it, in a way, mm-hmm. felt a little too like, I would rather read something that feels like fiction. But the problem right. was that this was, uh, it was right, it was right on the cusp of like when technology was becoming like really common in these sort of things. And so Harry keeps being like, let me look this uh, up on the computer. And it just, uh-huh. anytime that there was talk of computers, it was comically bad. So that, mm-hmm. that kind of held it back a little bit. Would you read a book in which Harry retires? Yes. And it becomes like a house cleaner for for this family, and it's called Who's the Bosch? Uh, yeah, you know I would. You know I would. <laughs> right, that's it. I love the Michael Connelly books, and I love Tony Danza, so you just married two things. Hey, yeah. did you see the stuff about Ron Howard doing a, uh, that they're going to be doing a uh, Happy Days reunion? I did, yeah. And John Stamos asked if he could play Chachi? Yeah. And uh, the actor who plays Chachi's said uh, on Twitter, shouldn't you be taking care of Aunt Becky? <laughs> yeah, I did hear. I did hear. Yeah, a, little, a little shade in the uh, in the happy days full yeah. house world there. I'm currently yeah. reading. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what I read? I read one called Batman Venom by Denny O'Neill. We talked a lot about Denny O'Neill. Um, you sure love your Tom Hardy. That's, no, I mean, that's, that's it. not what you're talking. No, no, that's not it. Bane, Venom. I'm just going to I'm just going to tell Al Sally Capone. about this one. This this is about uh, it's kind of a what if like what if Batman was a drug addict? So it also had kind of a spooky vibe to it. So it worked as Halloween reading, um, art by Trevor Von Eden. Uh, so it was interesting to look at. I don't think it quite went far enough with the premise. It's like they can't really turn Batman into a drug addict, so it didn't really have any teeth. I was actually kind of disappointed with that one. 
Uh, I'm currently well, that's reading weird because Venom is like all teeth. A different character. You're conflating two okay. things, and it's Tom un- Hardy. It's unbecoming. Has also a good set of teeth, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess so. he does. I'm reading Mind Over Magic by William Rabkin. It's a murder mm. mystery, and I'm reading David Copperfield by one Charles Dickens. That's a fun Halloween pick. Yes, isn't it? I did. Mm-hmm. I did watch some Halloween things. Should we get into this, Sally? Have you been watching Halloween things? Oh, of course okay. I have. Now <laughs> you've had themes the last couple of years. Last year your Halloween theme was witches. Do you have a theme for this year? You know, it's funny that you ask, Nick, because this Thank year you. I do not. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, but I also noted this that this year I am lacking in a theme. So I kind of went through and I picked out my favorites from this past year, okay. most of which I have watched in the last couple of months. Yes. And I kind of categorized them into like what I would <laughs> recommend as the best in those categories. Intense. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sally, are you writing your own essay on uh, on the horror genre now? I mean, I write them sometimes for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you should just put them all in a collection. Put it yeah, out. That sounds right. Uh, but yeah, so I've been watching, like, they've been all over the place. So it's funny that you mentioned Bly Manor, because I thought that was great. Um, really? And I thought, while watching it, Nick would like this, because um, it's kind of your level of spooky uh-huh. that you usually like. Although you're making a face like maybe you didn't like it. <laughs> I, I actually kind of thought it sucked. Oh, really? I, yeah, okay. I, I, really liked, I really liked Haunting of Hill House. Though, did you watch that one? Yeah, I mean, that one is... If I'll use the expression, that one has a little more teeth. Uh, my criticism of Hill House was that I feel like in the resolution, I had kind of a like, but that's not really what we were talking about, though. You know what I mean? Like, it felt a little bit like a, like they resolved some things, but it felt like kind of a course correction a little bit at the end. Do you know what I'm saying? Or you did not get that vibe at all? I did not get that vibe. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil but, it. I mean, so I, I feel like, think, okay, go I, ahead. Yeah. I guess that's a, that's the problem is I'm trying to think. I think if I ask you too many questions, I'll spoil the ending. I mean, so I also, though, watched Hill House with my extreme nerd glasses on because I was following it based on the original, well, the original book and then the 1960s movie. And so I was plugging those characters that way. And so I think I missed a little bit of like the plot points I see. Okay. <laughs> because I was obsessing too much over character development. Okay. All right. So it is possible you have a very good point and I missed it. Well, we should, <laughs> we should talk off mic so as not to spoil it for the nice people. But yeah, yes, we, we finished Blyhouse just, uh, just a few nights ago. And yeah, I don't know. I, I was very disappointed with that one. But you, that was like thumbs up for you. You thought it was top notch? The ending is like, fine like so so to me but the journey was great okay like i loved each episode was had some like genu- genuinely creepy stuff in it oh definitely. and i love the characters okay. i thought the characters were fabulous um but yeah so i put that in my haunting category yes that makes sense um i also watched this new that's what i'm torn about the hubie halloween thing that <laughs> adam Sandler did. okay and i half hated it and half really enjoyed it <laughs> okay eric <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen it eric has seen this one so mm-hmm. discuss yeah. it was actually even my pick i it was my pick that night it was a friday we had the pizza i was like all right are we gonna watch the lost boys are we gonna watch invasion and i was like you know what i i i just it's it's mcdonald's right it's basically just entered the entertainment version of mcdonald's it's yeah. just so easy you just click on it you know what you're gonna get and i thought it was probably one of the most like unoffensive adam sandler movies in a while that mm-hmm. i was like well that wasn't great that wasn't horrible it was what it was it was a 10-piece chicken nugget meal with some fries sally your response i think i think that's probably accurate uh, i was gonna say reasons i hated it adam sandler i can't stand this hmm. guy i think he, he's stupid and i don't like him yeah he but, his put his, his he, he kind of played it like uh bobby boucher from the water boy a bit but less yeah. endearing I almost i don't know yeah he, he he didn't have the funny the funniest part was tim meadows uh, and there was one line where adam sands was like uh how's your degree in night school going or something he's like i dropped out don't talk about it and that was <laughs> it and it's just pure tim meadows and it was just so funny but i i find tim well, meadows to be the funniest part of most things tim meadows is in so that <laughs> that makes sense to me that's fair well, and I would say my favorite part of it was Steve Buscemi, mm. who plays a fairly large side character, but yeah. 
it's so stupid. Who's and possibly so, a werewolf? Who's possibly a werewolf? But he's just so good at it. And I like in generally in general, it was like a great cast. Okay. Like they had Julie Bowman from Modern Family, and no, I had to write these down so that I wouldn't forget Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things, and Maya Rudolph, and like a lot of like one-off like cameo characters. Um, but those Ray were- Liotta I, is slumming it, but also is he? If, if <laughs> I saw Ray Liotta, I'm like, this feels on track. I mean, Ray Liotta has been doing those chantic stop smoking prescription uh, commercials yeah. for the last five years, so. I mean, I would yeah. take QB Halloween, I think. Yeah. But, like, the cast is pretty crazy. Like, it's Maya Rudolph, June Squibb, Shaquille O'Neal, Ben Stiller, Melissa Villasenor, Keenan Thompson, Tim Meadows. Like, all of them play just cameo roles. Yeah. And so, like, they are a lot of fun. Because you can tell every single one of them were like, we're getting no money for this, but, like, whatever, we'll be in this. Yeah. So, at any rate, meh, mixed feelings, but worth a watch if you, like, want something that's, like, definitely, as Eric put it, a chicken nugget meal. <laughs> For, like, my team slasher pick this year, I chose Ma, which is with Oct- Octavia Spencer. Oh, this right, yeah. Like- I like how you say Ma. Like, I'd, I call it... Oh, wait. How would I say it? Ma? Am I saying it differently? Ma? You're Ma's not- a weird word. Ma. Ma. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, Octavia Spencer, definitely, like, solid teen slasher Disturbia vibes, which it's not a great movie, but it gives you what you want, and that's great. Um... Yeah, I remember there hearing so-so reviews about that when it came out. For sure. You have to go in assuming you are going to watch just a teen slasher. Speaking movie. of Octavia but Spencer, are you going to watch this new The Witches movie with her and Anne Hathaway? Oh, definitely. Okay. Well, I didn't know because I know you love the, uh, the 90s one. I know that's oh. like a favorite of yours. I mean, Angelica Houston cannot be beat, but I love um, roles. Uh, and I'll always take a reboot of, like, a beloved film. Like, even if I don't like it as much, I'm always happy to rewatch things, so. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so urban legend car- category, scary stories <laughs> to tell in the dark. Okay. Um, surprisingly enjoyable. Uh, body horror, there's an uh, Irish film called Sea Fever, which I loved. I would put that I'm in body horror. i headphones off. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, have you watched? I was like, okay, I can do this. As soon as she says body horror, then you're out. Have you ever watched Kevin Smith's Tusk? Because I'm never going to watch it, but I'm kind of curious. I've seen it a couple of times. (laughs) Is it good? Is it well done? I think it's pretty well done, actually. Um, It is gross. Like, it is gross level, like human centipede gross level. Okay. Yeah, I'm never ever going to watch it. Never in a million years. You you would hate it, but it is enjoyable. Okay. All right. (laughs) Humor, hide and seek. That was surprisingly hmm. really great. And okay. I think actually, so it's a little bit gory, but I think you guys would enjoy it. Okay. It's... Hide and seek? Or are we talking ready or not? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Re- ready yeah. or not. Nice yeah, catch, Eric. I did see it. I, I Halloween it guy with the wind. I thought it was going to be funny. Uh, and it, it I thought it could funny. be funnier. There were yeah. bits that were funny. And then I just went, like, the bit where the guy is constantly trying to figure out how to use a crossbow, and he's watching, like, crossbows in you on YouTube, and, like, people are falling behind the window. I just wanted it, I, I didn't think they did enough with, like, the setting with that house. Like, it's supposed to be this, like, hide-and-seek game in this big house, and I guess I wanted, like, more extravagant sets in this house that they're hiding in. And <laughs> it was a bit too brutal at the end for me. Not the very end. That was just silly. But the uh, Anne McDowell stuff at the end, I was like, I can't. This is ruined. I mean, All right. It is gory. It is yeah. very gory. But it, I thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was super well done. Yeah. The, the preview just made it look like, you know, just as tongue in cheek as you can get. Yeah. Adam Brody's in it. So, and Kendra loves him. I go. think Kendra would leave me for Adam Brody. Wow. Fair. Yeah. Okay. You seem very. I really do. Yeah. I think if Adam Brody came, he's like, "Hey, I didn't get to play the Flash, but can I be your husband?" She'd be like, "Yes, yes." He got yes. to play Captain Marvel Junior. That's got to count for something, right? That's got to count for something. Okay. <laughs> I got three more. So keep, my, keep I'm gonna call it light, light highbrow. Okay. Is the Invisible Man, which I actually saw with your wife, Nick. She um, loved it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I loved it too. I so I've se- I watched it again. Um, and I would it's say on uh, HBO Max right now. Oh, is it? I think so, um, yeah. It's just a really solid cast. It has a really good ending. 
And I th- I think it's pretty cohesive as a film. So I really liked it. I call it light highbrow because I think in the end, it's still like a blockbustery type movie, but it's very well written. and very It looks like it's you know? really like just embracing kind of like the schlockiness of the, the concept. Like it knows what it's like the main oh, yeah. gist is kind of silly, but it's just embracing it. Yeah. Well, and the tech in it, I think, speaks yeah. to it too, because it's like, we know this is ridiculous, so we're yeah. going to play that up and kind maybe, of... Maybe schlock isn't the right word. Campy? I don't know if I'm using the right word. They just, like, the concept of, like, this, the boyfriend who's invisible. Yeah. And, and then I put as my actual highbrow, which I hope <laughs> both of you have seen probably do have, but Parasite came out this year, and yeah. it won the Oscar for Best Picture... And that is only the second horror movie to ever win the Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah, so, that's funny because I, I see horror. all this stuff and I, I'm i like, I guess it's a horror movie. But I just don't see it as a horror movie. But I guess it does start going horror movie-like. It is a horror movie. Okay. And I think that's maybe because horror movie gets a bad rep, right? Because people think of horror movies as being garbage and they're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's just as much of a horror movie as something as, like, Get Out was in its own way, so... I mean, Get Out hmm. is a horror movie. <laughs> no, no, I know that, but I guess how, like, uh, Get Out is kind of, like... It's a horror movie, but it's also, like, this critique of, like, society and... Like, but, like, yeah, it's when when people are talking, like, oh, you gotta watch Parasite for Halloween, I'm like, for Halloween? Hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, so I have two more really quick. So I, I invented a new uh, category... You've invented a new Halloween category? Queen of Halloween. Halloween. Yes. (laughs) I designate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm going to call it Eat the Rich because there's something very cathartic about (laughs) any time. There's a horror. Well, yeah. So there's a lot of them that fall into this category, I I would say. Um, But this one I am giving as my number one in this category, which is The Hunt. Um, It didn't get a lot of press. um, No, and wasn't it? There was some controversy about it being delayed and everything. And then when it was released, people were like, oh, the controversy was silly. Like it always is. It's basically like what it's your typical rich people take poor people and pit them against each other and make them fight to the death kind of scenario. It is very gory, but it is a great critique on society. <laughs> um, and it's very topical. <laughs> so if you're looking for something that both pulls you out of our current political state and also keeps you solidly in it. That's the film for you. It is cathartic in a way, though. But I loved it. I thought it was a great critique. And then the last one is Ratchet. Sarah Paulson and, um, oh, what's her name? Cynthia Nixon. I can't watch another Sarah Paulson film. So, (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, Eric, you know what? There aren't a lot of working lesbians in the field, and so anything she's in, I will take it. <laughs> Sorry. It's not her fault she was in Glass. Or maybe it was. Somebody had to say yes to that role. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Glass? It was the M. Night Shyamalan movie that made it feel like M. Night Shyamalan. I was like, hey, are you a fan of my earlier work? Go to hell. Maybe your problem was wa- watching another M. Night Shyamalan movie in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, fair. You know what? It's my it's my fault now. <laughs> no, no, because because the visit the visit convinced us that there was still some gas left in the tank. That's true. That's the visit true. was scary. It was yeah, that was yeah. a good. I mean, I don't hate sure. glass, but I don't want to fight. <laughs> That's all right. It's I'm, I never saw. I've it. moved on from glass. It's, That's good. It's, it's healthy. The sequel to Unbreakable and Split. Yep. Oh yeah, I did. So, I did no. see Unbreakable back in the day, but did you see Split? No. Oh, oh yeah, no, I did. That was the the one with the guy who had James McAvoy the, had the like forty was, personalities is what they went for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kinda. Well, Glass is the sequel to oh, Split. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Well, at any rate, Ratchet is great. Um, Sarah Paulson and Cynthia Nixon are solid in it, and I love the idea of taking like a character that's made so many cameos and making her the focus mm-hmm. again. Mm. So it's. Supposedly, there are four storylines to this saga. Ratchet's done cameos? The character Ratchet is like a character from um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And she's been in a lot of cameos in like other horror. Like she shows up. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of the archetype for the bitter nurse character. Mm. Somebody who is supremely good because they care for others, but also like very jaded by the reality Mm. of death. So she shows up in a lot of like things as a Mm -hmm. one-off sometimes directly as herself and sometimes more so is is ratchet a horror themed show 
Or is it okay. more like character study like Cuckoo's Nest was? No, um, well, it's a little bit of both, but I would put it solidly in the horror genre. I mean, okay. they play up the whole question. So there are serial killers involved in this one, but mm -hmm. they also play up the whole kind of era of groundbreaking mental health stuff. So mm -hmm. her being like obsessed with lobotomies and things like that definitely play mm -hmm. a role. But it, And it's got sort of a Bonnie and Clyde theme to it too, which is also interesting. So I really liked it. Did you ever see Dr. Sleep Sally? Last year you had not seen it yet. I have not seen it. Well, oh, yeah. no. I'd be interested to know what you think of it because um, Eric and I saw this when we were at the Nyla conference. What, last year was that, Eric? It was freezing. Yeah. So, yeah, so we saw this, and I really liked it. There's there's a very upsetting uh, death scene in it that this time I just, I knew it was coming, and I was like, to my wife, I was like, maybe just go out of the room for a minute, and I'll just, because you don't, you know. Um, but no, I, I still really like it. I think Ewan McGregor does a great job. I love the way that the director was able to marry elements from the Kubrick film, The Shining book, and the Doctor Sleep book, and sort of merge them into something that makes sense. Because it effectively, I think, serves as a sequel to both the Kubrick film and like the shining the book so it kind of takes these three different looks at these characters and makes it something cohesive which i mean you know love it or hate it i think that's impressive to be able to pull off so mm. so i like yeah. that i did rewatch nightcrawler not too long ago with the oh, i almost said jared leto and got mad at myself uh jake gyllenhaal and renee russo and it's just about a uh this this guy who is very detached from everybody else. He's, he's kind of a loner, uh, a night owl, and he starts getting in on that the job where you like you film accidents and everything that are happening like way early in the morning, and then you sell them to the news industries for their morning shows. And uh, he's a, he's a creepy character with a he's got a lot of like uh, elements to him that would make him like great in the workforce but he he's still kind of a creepy character who you wouldn't want to be in a car with all right so that's it Nightcrawler. okay nice uh my halloween reading i think has been a little off usually i try to do more than this but yeah christine was mammoth mm -hmm. so that took up a lot of time mm -hmm. um i did read frankenstein oh, for, the, for the book mammoth. club that'd be fun oh that would be now, i'd never read yeah. the, the mary shelley frankenstein before i'd read the play a long time ago but the book was still not what i expected um i know we talked about this a little already but um we've been asking the last couple of weeks uh for listener responses and what some of their favorite halloween books are so i've got a couple here so jump in if anybody's read any of these chris on facebook says clive barker's books of blood this is a three volume set of barker's early like horror anthology type stories has anybody have either of you read clive barker stuff no no okay well, Chris, Chris on Facebook now. says Books of Blood. Uh, Teresa recommends The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, made me uh, choke. I got choked up at the end. Okay. You recommend it? So, it's a good book. Yeah, it is a spooky read. I mean, it's about a boy who, uh, his, a very, this isn't a spoiler. It's like the first chapter. His family is murdered uh, by a serial killer at, at the very beginning. And he, it's a baby who just like wanders off. And uh, or a toddler who wanders off while that's happening. Nope. And uh, ends up that. in a, a a graveyard, and the ghost of the graveyard raise him. So it's kind of like a uh, almost like the Jungle Book, but with ghosts. I see. That makes me think back to the live action Pete's Dragon movie, where the parents are in a car ah. crash and the little kid is just by himself. I, I'm still haunted by that. And that was Pete's Dragon. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's a musical. <laughs> On Twitter, at GingerCap says, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Sally, have you read this one? You know, I would have to be reminded of the plot, but I'm pretty sure I have. Okay, I'm pretty okay. sure there's an old... I've talked about this before, but those old radio broadcasts that yeah. I used to listen to, they had a lot of Ray Bradbury in them. They are actually curated by him. That's um, cool. And I'm pretty sure that's one of them, but I can't remember what the plot of it is. I haven't read this I mean, one. I mean, I Something this uh, the carnival rose, rolls in sometimes after midnight, ushering in the Halloween a week early. The shrill siren song beckons to all with a seductive promise of dreams and youth regained. In the season of dying, Cougar and Dark's pandemonium shadow show has come to Greentown, Illinois, to destroy every life touched by its strange and sinister mystery. And two boys will discover the secrets of its smoke, get mazes, and mirrors. Two friends who will soon know all too well the heavy cost of wishes and the stuff of nightmares. Huh. Yeah, that sounds very... I think I must have listened to a very abridged version of it. 
Um, um, but yeah, that is very familiar to me. I've read like some Spooky. Bradbury plays. I read uh, Dandelion Wine and Fahrenheit 451, but I mean, maybe I'll add this one to my Halloween list for next year. Uh, on Facebook, mm, Stephen so recommends awesome. Dracula by one Bram Stoker. I have not read this. I have read that. But I've heard there's a pretty amazing audiobook, like full cast audiobook that, that I hear a lot of rave reviews. Oh, probably. About. I'm sure. Uh, I read that the same year I read Frankenstein, and I like both of them. I found dracula to also be a little dry to my mm. at the time 2013 uh standards but it was still like engaging and everything so uh, i think it's politics come across a little dated these days but the main gist of it of just like dracula showing up and everything is pretty good i think francis ford coppola's dracula tries to stay a little bit truer to the book oh okay what about the uh, the Mel Brooks uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It? How close is that to the book? Do you know? <laughs> that's that's closer to the Francis Ford Coppola film. Okay. Than, than so the a couple book, of steps removed. But I mean, it's all yeah. Okay. It, she's dead enough. <laughs> Dracula is weird because it's not. I mean, it's written in like a series of correspondence, mm. which you I don't think anybody like realizes before you read it. Yeah. But it has a lot of good women, like good female characters in it, which is oh surprising. Unexpected, time, yes, so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, Patrick says the house with the clock in its walls. This is kind of fun because this was written uh, in, in my hometown and the house that is yeah, yeah the house that is um, referenced in this was an actual like it was based on an actual house that I've mm. you know walked by a million times um that's oh you want to go let's go let's do it it is fun it every time i read something that's supposed to be like spooky and it's talking about stuff that are really going for like the cthulhu nature kind of stuff and it's talking about like new england town i'm like oh yeah that's fine just drive through that all the time growing up and like whenever they're describing buildings like i know it's the church across the way it's right there stop describing it everything's gray (laughs) <laughs> Did you you didn't watch the movie though, right? No, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, I heard the movie got it's a uh, Sally. Who's the director? Because he's like normally a horror director. Eli Roth. Does that sound right? I I've never seen it. I don't know. Oh, directed it and uh, like Spielberg was a producer on it, and Eli Roth was like, how how scary can I make it? How 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 scared can I make the kids? And Spielberg's like, just scare the crap out of them. Wow. <laughs> okay. So and I might have actually cleaned it up a bit. Spielberg could have a bit of a potty mouth when he Interesting. wants to. Interesting. You should save yeah. that for an upcoming spotlight. We're finally going to do that <laughs> Spielberg spotlight we've been talking about for years. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. thanks to all the listeners who submitted answers to that question. We didn't get to them all, but mm-hmm. you can always send them to us at uh, Twitter at All the Book Show or David A. Howe Library on Facebook. Oh, wait, but one more. Laura says Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Marino Brown. That book was insane. That was completely um, you insane. finished it. I did, yeah. and it's just it went in such a weird direction. Like this moment happens mm-hmm. where you're like, is this a dream? Is this, oh, okay, we're doing this. We're really doing this. Okay. And it was <laughs> jarring and not particularly satisfying. Uh, but mm. Laura loves it. I've so been thank in those you, situ- Laura. Yeah. I've been in situations watching a movie or something or a show and it's like something happens like, oh, we're in a dream. And then it just keeps going. I'm like, right? Oh, no. <laughs> right? And then it keeps going. I'm like, well, what the frick? Comics yeah. do that sometimes. That's Ex true. Machina did that. That's anyway. true. You know who else does that sometimes? Stephen King. Let's do it. <laughs> All the books presents author spotlight. Boy, this is you know uh, Halloween's the only time that author spotlight tune makes any sense I know, in my mind. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I want your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We should have Halloween versions of all the themes. So I'm going to speak to our attorney about Mm -hmm. that. See if we can Mm -hmm. uh, tweak that contract. Why are you going directly to lawyers instead of creative for that? (laughs) Good question. Good question. (laughs) I I fight dirty, I guess, is the answer. So this year, uh, for our conversation, we all read Stephen King's Christine. You'll remember in Halloween Mm -hmm. Now 5, we were talking about World War Z. Uh, but this year, we're talking about a murderous car, the 1958 Fury Christine. Let me I give love some... my Halloween books to also take place during, like, January. Let <laughs> me give you let me give you a little bit of facts here. This book was released yeah. on April, April 29th, 1983. This was his return to the full-length novel form, uh, his first novel since The Shining. The film adaptation came out later that year. 
from stephenking.com yeah, right away yeah it probably was pre-sold really but uh here's the synopsis from stephenking.com a love triangle involving 17 year old misfit arnie cunningham his new girlfriend and a haunted 1958 plymouth fury dubbed christine by her previous owner arnie's first car is jealous possessive and deadly that description doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. All right, let me let me let me tell you this because I, I read this. For I read one, this. it ignores Dennis. I'd say Dennis is much more the love triangle than uh, the girlfriend. I think you could also make an argument that Dennis is the is the protagonist. Really, I mean, it's yeah. it's he's the one telling the story. It's his perspective. It's never and, told in Arnie's perspective. No, and right? it's never really told in Arnie's favor either. One thing that really struck me about this, let's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop my criticism right here at the start and then we can then we can get into plot. I spent the whole time feeling like in the first twenty pages, the tone is established. You get it. Like you get what the car is doing, you get it. And then you just keep reading it for another five hundred pages. I just don't feel like there's much of a trajectory. Sally, have you seen the movie? I watched it this morning. Oh. Did you like I've heard like, the movie has lots of good reviews and seems to have, like, lots of fans. I mean, so I would agree with Nick. In reading the book, I just feel like this book could have been a really good, like, 150-page book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought the whole time that this this book should have been 250 pages, should have been pulpy, should have been, like, the novel form of grindhouse cinema. It's about a haunted car. Yeah. It should just be, like, brutal car murders and then the end. Well, like Nick says, it's just, like, the car's evil. And then every 10 pages, we're being reminded that the car is evil yes. over yeah. and then after we've seen the car murder like three to four people dennis is like do you think these murders are related it's it's terrible it's like the reverse columbo yeah well <laughs> all I, that to say i think i had mixed feelings about the movie and i don't know if we're gonna go back to it later but i will say in a brief synopsis what i liked about the movie was that it was the 150 page version yeah. of this but I, <laughs> what i didn't like about the movie was they changed a few things and they made it and it's just like not a very well written movie. So, mm. so those are like my critiques of it. But I mean, I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> Nick I just, this morning was like, you could watch the movie, and I was yeah. like, no. And then two minutes later, I was like, actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's free on YouTube, so I will. Well, yeah. so, I mean, that just that just frustrated me about it, just because that's that's a major pet peeve of mine anyway. Anytime you're reading a book where you can read the synopsis and you can read the whole book and have the exact same understanding as if you'd only read the synopsis. To me, this never really went deep enough. It didn't do anything interesting enough to really merit its 500 pages. And I read this on, uh, on again, on stephenking.com, which is actually a pretty cool website. You know, most author websites are just like blurbs and like recent appearances or something. StephenKing.com is actually pretty content heavy with some pretty interesting things Stephen on there. Stephen King, that doesn't surprise me. Stephen King has never even heard of the word blurb. <laughs> Wait, are you kidding me? Stephen, Do you mean paragraphs? Stephen King writes no, a blurb, blurb on every book that's published. Of course he's heard <laughs> blurbs. Anyway. This book scared Stephen King. This is, Stephen the, King. according to Stephen King, here was his inspiration. One night I was turning into my driveway. I saw the odometer numbers on my car turn from 99999.9 to 10,000. I found myself wondering if there might not be a story in an odometer that ran backwards. The car I thought would get younger instead of older, finally collapsing into its component parts. The next day I started writing it. I thought it would be a funny short story, a kind of American graffiti. Instead, a fairly long novel came out, a supernatural tale about girlfriends, boyfriends, and Christine. So even the man himself knows that this was kind yeah. of designed to be a short story. And that, that, that explanation here, if this was just sort mm -hmm. of like, like you're saying, a you know, novella or short story length horror version of American graffiti where a car is driving around mm -hmm. town and instead of like listening to the big bopper it's killing people i mean yeah. there's definitely something there so yeah you know it, he's doing the thing he does where he's trying to like really set everybody's character and really get into all but this is not the book where you want to get into like this everybody's character from birth to you know from womb to tomb he's just like why is Dennis the way he is? What happened in the past five years of Dennis's life? But what happened in the five years prior to Dennis's life? That it's all just the. And if if he thought I was supposed to either be scared or interested in Le, in LeBay, yeah, he's insane. Yeah, I have never been as uninterested in a character, villain or otherwise, as I have been this character. 
Yeah. He's not the character you want to start getting more dialogue as the book goes on. So, I mean, yeah. if we if we if we give a, a more detailed overview of the plot, I guess you have Arnie Cunningham, who is who the story is being told about. The narrator is Dennis, his friend, and Arnie is described to be sort of you know like a nerdy guy with not a lot of friends, awkward socially. And Dennis, for whatever reason, they just kind of click in their friends. Arnie finds this car, is obsessed with this car, um, doesn't, I mean, he just right from the get-go is like, I will do whatever it takes to get this car, and does, and just slowly, he and the car sort of, I don't know, merge, like E.T. and Elliot style, and just just become more and more enmeshed. Uh, suddenly, Arnie's, like, getting girls, and he has this girlfriend named Lee, who Dennis and Lee sort of have a little bit of a flirtation with each other that, you know, you explore that, it grows as the book progresses. But ultimately, like I said, I just... Do you? It's, well, it's just kind of stuck. It's stuck in, in one place and just keeps vamping on that theme the whole time. So, I don't know. Sally, I mean, what what did you think about this? I mean, I think my initial problem with the book was that, like, Stephen King feels things about cars that I don't feel. Okay. <laughs> and so a lot of things I, about things I don't I care about. This- I feel like if Stephen King was someone I trusted to write women or to have women characters, I would think this is an interesting critique on like (laughs) what uh, women were supposed to be or do or how they manipulated men in this like era of like pre-feminist whatever, but he's not good at it. And so for me, I was like somewhat put off by the initial premise of it, but I actually grew to like it from like a campy standpoint. But I, I do, I agree with Eric in that the characters or like the attempt to make character development out of all of these like other characters just like did it in for me. Mm. And especially there's like a huge segment in the middle where like Dennis is taken out of the picture and that made no sense to me. Yeah. Suddenly <laughs> the like narration has changed. Yeah. And it's. And it just feels like, why are we doing this? Like, why why would this be a choice one makes? Like, why is Stephen King started with this character development and then just, like, let it drop mm-hmm. off? I just wanted... I don't know. Am I allowed to spoil parts of the movie? Yeah, I think we're going to have to. Yeah, go ahead. So this... Okay. we're gonna Let's so, just say there's going to be some spoilers from here on out. Spoilers! Spoilers! Okay. So the one of the main differences between the book and the movie is that in the book, this car is kind of haunted by LeBay himself. So he basically has like somehow fused his like soul and like basically like sold his soul to the devil kind of deal yes. to like become this car. So it's not Christine, the car that is necessarily haunted. It's like him haunting Christine. Which is kind but of a mistake the- there. I wish I kind of like that. I wish right. it was Christine. Yeah, and in the movie it is Christine. Yeah, so okay. she. I, very I always thought the the gist of it from everything else that always like references Christine or something. It always seemed that like Christine was a car that was made of like parts of evil cars, or maybe I'm just thinking Futurama. Maybe it's just that Futurama episode with Bender, but it's like Hitler's steering wheel and you know all this all this stuff. Like all these evil people had their cars turned into this car. I don't know. I guess I mean I always thought that it was just can't be for King. Christine was in love with Arnie, and it really was like a love triangle. That was always my impression of the book, and I yeah. think that's I don't know. I don't really think that's much of an element here. You know, I mean, it's a jealousy in that like. Christine or LeBay wants him paying attention to the car and not other things, but it's not really a love triangle. I wouldn't say, do you think? I don't think so. Well, and that's why what I mean when I say like... Because Arnie's not like a character, really. Like he's just a cipher for everything else. So it's not a love triangle because like Arnie just disappears. If he is a character, he disappears like as soon as we meet him because as soon as we meet him, he sees Christine. Yeah. And so like we never see Arnie as he's like supposed to be just this guy who talks about cars. And yeah, like Sally says, like if I cared about cars as much as uh, Stephen King, maybe I'd be like, boy, yeah, you bought that Fender. Where'd you get that Fender? Oh, Chris Lightning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're only <laughs> told about is- Arnie. Like Arnie is Arnie is always yeah. a, a detached, like secondary character. That the narrator is yeah. filling things in about, but it's often like just telling us rather than showing us, which gets a little exhausting in a book like this. But Sally, I want to kind of go back to something that you said, because you brought up something that Eric was talking about last week, and that was Stephen King writing women. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like how how you found that to be? I mean, I just think like, 
a this car is like female, right? And the whole point of it Has is that that's the thing that Stephen King makes is like yeah. And I think if I like I said, if I trusted him to write for women, I think it could be like an interesting critique of like how men treat women, especially in like a 1950s setting where it's like this woman is sort of this thing to like look at and be desired and like want. But then once you like obtain it, this thing has its own, like a woman has its own thoughts and feelings and like intentions and like you don't get to control that. So like that could be a really interesting critique. However, I think Stephen King just really likes cars. (laughs) And I think his, you can sort of tell that he's not like if he were good at writing other women in the book, that critique could work. But the only other two women of note in this book are the mother who he starts by trying to paint as, like, an academic, but then ends by saying she's a queen in jeans or something like Mm -hmm. that, which is, like, this sort of degrading, like, oh, she thinks she's so great, but she's just another... She's super controlling, and she wants everybody... She's more concerned about perception than reality. Which just gives her no nuance. Like, he's completely flattened what could be a really interesting character. The dad is painted as, like, sympathetic and... But also helpless to the mom's... uh, whims eric you made made the point last year in the institute noting that like whenever there's a character like especially a female character that we're not supposed to like she's described in very detailed ways about her it's always detailed and like unattractive how unattractive with the institute it was she was very flat-chested and anytime we were in anybody else's head everybody was like oh she's a flat-chested bee and all that it was always like she's stern but also flat-chested just in (laughs) case you were worried and then like right at the beginning of this one where their car where christine like loses a tire and they're parked out like the the woman who's yelling at them to get off her lawn so we don't so we also don't like her like he describes her as like waddling over and she's a she's a, a retont she's round and all this stuff and it's, but as soon as we meet arnie's girlfriend she's like as perfect as any girl can be in school there's there's not a blemish on her and she's so understanding and all this stuff it's just it gets to the point like oh okay so we know what we know stephen king has a type and it's uh the windswept hair on the the virginal high school girls yeah well yeah. It, it it equates it equates their worth with their physical attributes yeah well and even the end again spoilers yes but even the end when he's like describing what happens to them later and he's like well you would have thought that lee and i would have ended up together but you'd Mm -hmm. be wrong like she's off and married to another guy and it's like her only purpose like it's like he decided not to be with her and now her only purpose is to be married to someone else Mm. (laughs) (laughs) just this kind of like also christine's not the kind of book where i need one of those like Gary died in the war later no, that but year. See, I never got to see him again. But I think that I think that speaks to the book's origin because to me that was very much American graffiti. And if that's what was in his head when yes, he was starting this, that you, you can yeah. see that connection. Yeah. I mean, I very much I will say like I like a lot of Stephen King's stuff. Like mm-hmm. a lot of like I love Carrie. I love The Shining. But a lot of what I like about Stephen King is what people have done with Stephen King's works. Mm, And so I think, like, usually when there's a really strong female character in what he does, it's because somebody has corrected his, like, inability to write them well. Like, I still enjoy his writing. I think it's really straightforward, um, but, like... (laughs) well developed in an interesting way like the best of Stephen King is really interesting to read but I he cannot write women he doesn't understand the nuance of women he doesn't understand what well, good the thing he made the car female <laughs> right like what about this makes this car female except for he's talking about her sexy you know lines and stuff like that mm. like it's just a very weird he's just very weird about it I also yeah. I said to my wife I was like I just feel like at some point there's gonna be some inappropriate man on car in stuff mm. and i don't want it you know what yeah, sure. he, yeah. he 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 kind of held back on that yeah so but yeah. i mean somebody did also take a crap in the car so <laughs> true so uh one of my problems with this because like i did think it should be shorter nick let's try to do a scene okay you be uh you be dennis and i'm just gonna be a mailman delivering dennis mail okay <laughs> I, all right let's see let, let's see if i can if i can like hammer home one of my complaints about stephen king in general all okay. right i'm just a mailman okay i don't have a name all right you've never seen me before you've never even talked to this mailman okay all right, i'm bringing your mail like yeah, oh, okay. hey here's your mail hey thanks man hey no problem uh what happened to your leg oh yeah i, I got hurt it was a car situation 
Man, oh man. You know, I had a friend. He used to deliver milk all the time. Uh-huh. He delivered milk in the 50s. And mm-hmm. it was a hard man and his wife. Uh, very, very large woman, and Thanks. he had to take care of her and I'm all these take things. The mail and... And I remember back in the in Vietnam, and I was just wandering down the sure. thing, looking looking for uh, for the enemies, and we knew they were over the hill, and they came up, and there's a moment there where man can know that he might be meeting his end, and that everything just freezes, and you can taste it in your mouth, and there's bile coming up. Uh, four, four pages later. All right, see you later, Dennis. I've been the mailman <laughs> you've never talked to before. Thanks for the mail. Bye. <laughs> no problem, Dennis. <laughs> And scene. Who's that, son? <laughs> so you don't like how every side character has a, a point of view and wisdom to share? It's just, it's just so much. Yeah. It's just so much. Mm-hmm. And it, like everybody, now it's not just wisdom. It's like ancient wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody has somehow deciphered the human condition at this one point and they're just willing to share it i've seen look i'm, I'm 34 i haven't lived that long i'm only mm-hmm. 34 i haven't mm-hmm. lived that great of a life i've still seen stuff i could share i don't which is random strangers yeah you know not even with like, your mailman you don't you don't have these kind of times <laughs> okay when he i wave at my mailman and he That's waves nice. back but i'm not like hey you know there's a thing about fathers i've never really understood <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the things that we liked about the book. Should, should I go first? I'm, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. You both like stared blankly at me. Um, I like the format of hearing the, hearing about the story, not from Arnie himself, but from Dennis. I think some, if you go in and like change some of that narrative structure, I think that actually would be a pretty compelling way to tell this story because I think it it would be a much more cliched type of book. If you were just seeing it from Arnie's perspective as he's getting more and more sucked into this, I think that would, I don't think that would be quite as effective as, as it was to, to hear it through Dennis. And I think what went too far in this was that, Arnie was basically not a character. He was, like you said, he was just kind of a cardboard cutout to, like, advance, like, the story of Christine. But at, like, the core, the principle of hearing this kind of story from, like, a bystander, I think could be really effective. So before I got a little fatigued with the book, I was actually really liking that part of it. What do you think of that? I I think that's fine. But then, like Sally says, Dennis just disappears for the middle of the book. And then I really... True, that's true, yeah. But we're supposed to be, like, seeing things, like, from... That's when Christine starts, like, going off and having uh, its adventures and stuff. And I'm just... It's silly. He tries to make it serious, but it's silly to think of a car chasing somebody through their house well yeah and, and see, then that's... Like, that's so scary they have a heart attack but like if this would have been like a silly book from the start that would be fine but like from the beginning where we're like supposed to be taking it seriously but he where he's like this is a car book but it's also like the shining it's yeah. shining but car but then yeah when it's like the car's like smashing through snow banks and chasing somebody up its stairs it's like how i don't know it that that just kind of read like i read that as like this is stupid and if the book had gone a different direction, I'm like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. But because he went the one way he did, I'm like, right. no, it's not fun. It's stupid. Because well, now th- people are like, what happened? I think when you see well, when you see the original intention and then you see how, like he said, he meant yeah. to write a funny American graffiti-esque yeah. story about a, about a Even car. Even the end, it should be silly, right? Like a bull, like the yeah. guy in the movie is a, bull, it's a bulldozer, right? Yeah. At the end, it's a bulldozer versus the car. So like, that should be like silly. That should be just like very campy and ridiculous and i think there's just two versions of it i think like he had one yeah. version in his head but just sat down and rather than stopping just continued to write and yeah. write and write so it's almost Got high on his own to me yeah. it just kind of it, it becomes at that point sort of a writing exercise you know yeah. were there elements you enjoyed it's, about the book sally i mean i like the basic premise of it i do think yeah. that i think it's fun to have like a like animated cars are not unusual right like we have a lot of movies yeah. like titty bang bang or what's the herbie or whatever yeah um i think it's a fun idea to have an evil car like it's yeah. not it's not an uncommon thing in our like culture at large and so like why not have this like evil car and i actually liked that i didn't like this at first but it grew on me but you can't really tell what time period you're in because mm. it's written in the 80s and I think it's supposed to be the 70s. I think but it's it, supposed to be like the late 70s, yeah. Yeah, but I like the way he plays with culture because he'll reference 
uh, songs that are on in like the seventies, but then it's very clear that like this greaser vibe is happening. Yeah, Arnie keeps because he's being possessed by the older character. He's listening to like oldies, so there's yeah. a lot of like fifties. Yeah. How and did I you... thought that was like cool? I liked that. Yeah. How did you feel about the the lyrics at the start of each chapter? I, I ignored cool. them. Oh. I I thought it was nerdy. I liked it. I mean, I'm not. I don't know all the songs that he's referencing, but I really liked it. I thought it was neat, and I I listened to it on book on tape, and okay. so the author would uh, sometimes he would like sing a little bit of the okay. or the reader would sing a little bit of it. So I really liked it. I thought it was cool. Okay, all right. After we sort of are vamping, you know, I feel like in in one zone for a while. I I actually kind of enjoyed the the culmination. You know, I I liked the big like brawl at the end. I thought that was kind of fun. Eric and I might disagree a little bit. I like some of that long-winded atmospheric writing in mm. parts. And I do think, like, when he's taught, he's setting the scene with, like, the snow falling and the headlights and stuff. I was like, I was getting, I was getting into that. I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. I like the, uh, the bit where Christine commits her first murder, I suppose, the against the, uh, the one greaser. And, every, like, it's, it's just, like, out there on the streets and everything. I thought it was brutal and everything. And then, like... Christine just like re- returning to the garage and how it's it's like after that like intense scene of violence everything's just kind of quiet and then it just gets quieter because all you hear is just like the ticking sound of the engine cooling and I was like oh I can hear that I can like see how like quiet and, and that creepy that is yeah I agree that was cool I mean there's a lot of good parts to this ultimately I think it's just too much like the bones are good but it just goes on and on and on and we know what the story should be like we know what would work yeah, just simple story. Just an evil car that the kid is really into, and then they have to destroy the car. It's not hard. Right. Dang. Gosh. Yeah, the LeBay character, they largely cut out of the movie. He mm. So the car belonged to LeBay's brother in the movie. And yeah. his brother, since the car is evil to begin with, they still have the stuff where, like, his brother killed himself in the car, and his wife killed herself in the car, and their daughter choked in the car. But it's all very much like, because the car is evil, and I'm just LeBay, the guy selling you this car. <laughs> but he's not really there after that. Yeah. But I did, I mean, again, I am here for, like, the base idea of this book. So Agreed. if Stephen King wants to rewrite it as a short story, I, I'd, re- I'd read it any day. Well, so. you know, in, in his recent short story collection, The Bizarre of Bad Dreams, there is a short story about an evil car. And it's not really comparable mm-hmm. to how this story plays out, but it's much more effective. So, I mean, I, I mm-hmm. kind of like that one. I'll just uh, recommend The Honking, which is the 18th episode of the second season of Futurama, in which Bender basically gets hit by, like, a wear car. Okay. Nice. So. I'm down to watch. That's, that's I'm down to I watch liked. Futurama anytime. All right, so Eric, yeah, you're on that record. Was, that as... was the Christine I like. Okay, so Salem's. I lot... gave it three stars. I did because too. Because despite all my complaints, I hate that it was as readable as it was. Agreed. That like I was able again bath time reading. So you know just uh, just kind of sit there and read. But I yeah I just I didn't. It didn't really do anything for me, and it didn't really spook me out. But I guess you're not supposed to be with it. Yeah. It's not, I don't know. Am I supposed to be, like, should we be scared by this? I don't know. I don't know what he's going for with this That's horror. That's a good question. I guess, I think more just like the unsettled. Shining and Pet Cemetery are supposed to be scary. And succeed. But Christine... It's just gory. And so that's where the Grindhouse thing is. Like, I get that. I don't know. It's just... Mm. Anyway, I always go back to Bag of Bones when I'm thinking about like if I was going to recommend one, um, just because I I do feel like it is the scariest that I've read so far. Like that had some Mm. genuinely like, oh, my gosh, kind of moments in it. But do you have a favorite Mm. Stephen King, Sally? Um, Carrie is probably the favorite one I've read, but I do. I mean, I love a lot of film adaptations. And my favorite film adaptation is Misery. Oh, Um, okay. Red Misery. So I don't know. All right, well, for better or worse, that is our wrap on Stephen King's Christine. A mixed bag, good bones, poor execution. Um, Sally, do you have anything else on your Halloween list that you're determined to get through before the day? That's it. So I've been revisiting some of my some older ones, and I actually have Rings, which I'm sure is a terrible movie, but I did rewatch Ring, The Ring recently and um, The Grudge, and so I have, I have the bad sequel and third movie of the grudge and then i have ouija origins and the and rings here so i'd like to watch them before does the ring still hold up 
after, gosh, at this point, it's like 20 years. It holds up for people our age, I think. I, I was saying to my wife was we were you watching... You think a new kid would be like, just don't put the VHS in. What's a VHS? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like there's so... And even the white static. Like, mm-hmm. like white noise is not something yeah. that, like kids even understand yeah. how it's... True, so yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a yeah. stream loading bar. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, some some old stuff, but not really anything new. Although okay. I have been wanting to watch. My brother's been watching Lovecraft Country, and mm-hmm. um, uh, on my list this year is still Blair Witch, the original, because I've never seen it. Oh, and uh, Lost Boys, which I've never seen. Okay, and there was something else, and I keep forgetting what it is every time. But I, this year, I also watched Near Dark, which I thought was pretty good. Okay, Catherine Big- Bigelow's like second film, I think. <laughs> It's a vampire, it's vampire kind of modern day Western. I might get Lovecraft Country a try. I also want to finish <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. I think has a fun, like, Oh, yeah, spooky, season two just came out. Yeah, spooky Halloween vibe. The first episode of volume two is awful, but I'm hoping that one the of others... The, one of the best, bound. like, Halloween things was Netflix released the first season of Mindhunter. Oh, back, yeah. Like, on, during Halloween, and I was like, this this is great. And nice. then, like, they released season two at some point. It was, like, uh, March or something. We're like, what the frick? Yeah. So, but it was it was perfect when they really and what I think Stranger Things season one was was released in October. Mm, yeah, like they get it for vibe. their first season, and then like later on they're like it's a summer it's show just now. Whenever, so yeah. stop it. And now we'll never get Mindhunter season three. The uh, yeah. the David S. Pumpkins Halloween special is now just like a oh. Halloween must in my house. My son loves it, and so we <laughs> did watch the David S. Pumpkins Halloween special. So we've done that so far. Yeah. Yeah, well, Kendra just watched it's Hocus Pocus, and which means I just watched Hocus Pocus again. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but say Levy. And unfortunately, I've now I have finally officially checked uh, Nightmare Before Christmas into the Christmas box. Oh, so you've you've made a determination. Yeah, okay. I, I figure the the first song and the first like opening of the movie is set during Halloween, but then everything out else about the movie is Christmas focused. And so I was like, you, all the songs almost are Christmas focused. Mm. So I've decided it is a movie you watch after Halloween. Okay, so a bit of a bummer. But uh, this this reminds me because Paul Rubens, who is in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, is also in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. We just watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie for the 902 and Here We Go podcast and did like a play by play commentary of that movie. Boy, is that bad. Yeah. Anyway, Sally, thank you once again for joining us here for Halloween Now Six. Uh, I want to remind everybody that early voting has officially begun here in Allegheny County. You can vote at the Board of Elections office at 8 Willits Avenue in Belmont, New York. The phone number is 585-268-9294 or 585-268-9295. And uh, please vote. Just remember to vote. Early voting goes through November 1st. And then, of course, you can vote in your regular polling place on Election Day, November 3rd. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the All the Book Show. Our thanks once again to Sally Jacoby Murphy, director of the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library. Sally, thanks again. Eric, always a pleasure to see you. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>